Well, we love speaking with our next guest. Our next guest here at JM and the AM is the editor of the Jerusalem Post, and he is speaking to us live from Jerusalem on this Thursday morning. Yaakov Katz, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thanks, Nachum. Uh, you started with this story, or at least it's the first story that's posted on your website this morning, so I'll start with it because a lot of people around the world are certainly curious. Uh, Hamas leaders are calling for intifadas. We know that there have been uh, su- there's been some rioting in certain areas, and tomorrow, of course, is supposed- supposedly an official day of rioting. How would you classify the violent response to yesterday's announcement by President Trump? Look, so far there hasn't been any violence, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm personally... Skeptical, though, you know, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to try to predict or be a prophet of, of what will happen, but I'm skeptical that we'll start to see something of a major scale, right? The Israeli Defense Forces have gone a bit on a heightened state of alert. They deployed some extra forces to try to contain whatever might break out in the West Bank, or tomorrow there's some concern around prayers at the Temple Mount, which we know is always a site of of some tension whenever there's some diplomatic issue, like what happened with uh, President Trump's announcement, historic announcement yesterday regarding Jerusalem. But but I will say is something more substantial, I think, which is that no government in the world and or people in the world should... Uh, conduct themselves or conduct their foreign policy and make decisions of this magnitude based on threats by terrorist organizations. Whether Hamas decides to now fire a barrage of rockets into Israel or whether, you know, ISIS decides to try to carry out an attack somewhere or whether there will be riots on the streets of Amman or Cairo or Ramallah or somewhere in East Jerusalem is not something that we need to say, okay, because of that, this should not happen. This was the, the, the correction of a historic injustice and something right that was done, and this was the right thing that should be done. And therefore, even if these terrorist organizations make these threats, okay, we'll deal with it. We've dealt with it before. We'll continue to deal with them in the future. You know, you, you talk about a, a, a wrong being righted and what President Trump did yesterday in, in the way that he did it, especially with the uh, conviction that he did it, uh, was really so amazing. Uh, are, are people... And the pro-Israel community here, you can imagine, is celebrating. I'm trying to lead that celebration. Are, are people in Israel celebrating as well? Are you getting the feeling that there's a different atmosphere in Israel in light of the announcement by President Trump? Look, I'm, I'm talking to you from Jerusalem. I'm a Jerusalemite. I woke up this morning. Did my city look different? It looked the same. It could still use a good street sweeping like it needs every day. But there is a sense, I would say, among even people who are, were critics of the president. I myself have been critical of the, of the U.S. president, some of his policies and some of his statements in the Jerusalem Post, right? We've editorialized it at many occasions over the last year in, in, with some criticism against the president. But here was, it was, it was, a, was an amazing example of true leadership, of bold leadership, of uh, maybe to go as far as to say courageous leadership. And we have to tap our hat or tip our hat to, to, to him in recognition of that and say thank you. And I think that the vast majority of Israelis who I've spoken to on the left, on the right, in the center, uh, whether politicians or pundits or analysts, you name it, were all impressed by the speech that he gave yesterday, the conviction with which he gave the speech, the clarity with which he declared that Jerusalem 
is the capital of Israel. There was no wish-washing. There was no West Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, this part, that part. It was a clear speech. It made a clear statement, and it was heard and resonated around the world, and that was what was most important. Yaakov Katz is with us, editor of the Jerusalem Post. Uh, Are you skeptical about the timeline when it comes to the move of the embassy? Uh, We know that he he expressed that it's going to take years to actually be completed. Many of us were hoping that he would symbolically call for, you know, a shingle to be hanged uh, on the consulate in Jerusalem and, you know, that immediately it would start to be recognized as an embassy, even if the staff and the entire, you know, machination wasn't in place yet. Uh, are you skeptical when it's, when you see a timeline like that, especially one that's going to be guided by the State Department, that maybe that embassy really won't be built in Jerusalem? Look, Nahum, n- nothing was nothing's built in a day. And, you know, a sign it would be nice. It would be symbolic. It would be, you know, a nice photo op. But I think that if, if they really move ahead with this plan, and even if it takes three years, four years, five years, right, to ultimately have the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, uh, a, a new one built especially for this city, is something of greater significance. I think that the, the speech itself is of amazing significance. And the way I view it is it sends three messages to three different parties. The first party it sends a message to is to the Palestinians, which is basically this illusion that Jerusalem does not belong to Israelis, does not belong to the Jewish people, is, 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 is wrong, is false. And the, the, this attempt on behalf of some parts of the Palestinian people to use terrorism to defeat Israel, to take away Jerusalem, is ultimately doomed to fail. That's message one, and that's an important message. Message two is to the rest of the world, but most importantly, I think, to the European Union, which has long stood against Israel on these issues, and it's to say to the European Union, you are in the wrong, America now is in the right, we are divided on this issue, and America today stands with Israel more aligned than ever before in recent history. And the third party that it sends a message to, I believe, is to the Israeli people. And that is that that the American government, the American people, have Israel's back in a way that it hasn't had in a very long time. Now, we all know that there's no such thing as a free lunch. So what this also can mean is that somewhere down the road, when the Greenblatt-Kushner-Friedman group present their peace plan that they've been working on with a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and with great detail, I'm, I'm understanding that this plan has breaks down core issues into great details, hundreds of pages and documents, right? When they present this plan somewhere down the road and they say to Israel, okay, what's your answer? Israel will be find itself in a very difficult situation to say no to a plan presented by an administration that has given it such an amazing historic gift. So, you know, th- that message is also geared to Israel with an eye on the future and the longer term of when this plan is actually presented. Well, that's a piece of news to us is that, uh, in your opinion, or based on what you know, there definitively is a plan in the Greenblatt Kushner Friedman pocket at the moment. And <laughs> as I think you've just alluded to, for some of us, that sounds like good news. And for some of us, that sounds like not such good news. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, look, it all, it all, the, the, everything will be in the details, right? So what does that plan contain? I do not know. But from talks that I've recently held and, you know, with, with people who are in the know, this plan does 
contain great detail about some of the core issues, including about Jerusalem, by the way. The, the statement that President Trump made last night, he himself said, this does not change anything about you know, what might come out of the negotiations. If the sides decide that a two-state solution is the way to move forward, and if Jerusalem is to one day become part of the equation there, okay, that, that's a possibility. Right. But, and that will be for the sides to decide, ultimately. But, you know, like on the issue of Jerusalem, they have, they have great detail. They've broken these issues down into a, into a plan. Whether it's ready yet to be presented, whether it is prepared for implementation, that's something that still, obviously, we're not there yet. But I think that we should take this very seriously. This is an administration that is very determined to make progress on the Israeli-Palestinian issue. Uh, they're working on it with, with a lot of effort. They're investing a lot of diplomatic and political capital into it. You know, we had the president who visited here and made a historic trip in May. We have the vice president who's coming here, I think it's, what, next week or the week after? Mm -hmm. Just in a few days, he'll be here for a couple of days. You know, I don't think you've seen that type of... Uh, uh, the, that, that, that frequency of visits, of trips, of, of investment, of effort, of, of talk uh, about this single issue like we're seeing right now, and, and that says something. So I wouldn't say that, you know, we're in the clear for those who might be concerned about a plan, if that's where you are or someone else's, but the, 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 they are definitely very focused on, on this issue. Yaakov Katz, editor of Jerusalem Post. All right, a couple of more things if you don't mind. First of all, and you have American roots, you can relate to this. Uh, there's there's some resentment in this country, I would say, uh, to those Jewish government officials. I, sh I should say it this way, to especially to those who are Jewish uh, government officials, but others as well, who have supported Israel tremendously in Congress over the years and who recently, within the last year, have voted overwhelmingly uh, for the Jerusalem to be recognized as the capital, uh, possibly even uh, the embassy move. I'd have to look at the details to, to see if that vote uh, was recent in the Senate and, uh, and House itself. And then these same members of the United States Senate uh, and the House, some of them, some of them being Jewish, um, expressed their dissatisfaction and, uh, and opposition to what President Trump did yesterday. How do you view, um, how do you view that, that uh, especially the Jewish government officials, but those who have been supposedly in Israel's corner all this time changing their mind this week? Look, you know, the, the politics is always going to be a major player in, in, in a lot of these different things. You know, uh, there are people even on the Israeli political scene, right, who look at this and, you know, definitely some analysts and some pundits who use it as an attempt to try to bash the prime minister in Israel. Um, and I would say that he deserves a lot of credit as well for what's happened here, right? You know, it, yes, it's true that this is something that President Trump has decided, but it was Prime Minister Netanyahu who was able to get President Trump to decide that, right? And so, you know, there's some credit that, 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 that he deserves for it. But I would put that aside as political um, noise. I think ultimately the more substantive issue here is, is the decision itself, the declaration itself, and the potential later move at a later date of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, if he was going to do it, uh, have you thought of this one uh, in the aftermath of yesterday's speech? If he was going to do it anyway... And he was ready to uh, uh, to announce the move to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Um, have you asked yourself why he didn't just do it on day one? Um, you know, earlier in 2017, at the very beginning of his administration. 
I think there was a, you know, from what I know at that time in in uh, period when he was just taking office, there was even there were some rumors, at least that I was hearing from a number of different sources at the time, just around the, that weekend of the inauguration, that he would make the decision immediately, right? Um, that didn't happen. Then came the waiver of uh, of June, which he signed, right? right? And it, and and people, there was a lot of build up till then, and I think you know there was there was some hope within even some parts of his, his administration that he would he would not sign the waiver. He ultimately did sign the waiver, and I think that it made sense for a president who was just getting his bearings and an administration that was had just entered office a few months earlier. Uh, we're trying to figure out where things stood, and we, we're we're kind of putting everything. This is a very complicated chessboard, the the Middle East and especially the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So they were just trying to figure things out. But I think that now, a year into everything, was an opportunity for him to be able to maybe make a more uh, reserved but also calculated decision. You know, people, I'm hearing a lot of people who are lamenting the death of the peace process. And my right. question is, what peace process exactly are you talking about? <laughs> when was the last time Israel's prime minister met with the Palestinian president? When was the last time their negotiations team sat down with our negotiations team? So unless there's something I don't know and, and, and you know, I tend to know if there's some peace process that's happening. There is no peace process right now. So, you know, if, if for 20-something years since the Oslo Accords, we've tried, and, and Nahum, you, you, you know, we've spoken many times before. You read my stuff. I'm in favor of, 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 of peace with the Palestinians. Correct. Personally, in, in the Jerusalem Post editorial line, we support a two-state solution. Ultimately. I know many of your viewers might be upset with me for that. You, you, you're listening, you, sorry. You, t- you but, took heat for it at the Mizrahi event back in May. Yes, but but I will say is that with that, for 24 years since we signed the Oslo, since Yitzhak Rabin signed the Oslo Accords with Yasser Arafat and Bill Clinton at the White House in 1993, where are we? We haven't moved forward. So you banged your head against the wall for 24 years, and you haven't succeeded in moving forward. If you know, I think the president probably thought to himself and is thinking to himself, for 24 years they tried one model, it didn't work. Right. This changes the model. This could potentially bring peace. This could, this, because of what I said before, this shatters the illusion that Jerusalem does not belong to Israel. Right. The Palestinians need to wake up. They need to realize that the time is not on their side, and that this is a president who is not ashamed to say that he stands with Israel. Right. So if I'm in the Palestinian Authority today, I'm nervous. Maybe I'll threaten like they are a little posturing to try to play it tough, but I'd be shaking because I'd be concerned what's next and how do I ensure that if I really do want peace, and all indications are that they don't want it, let's not elude, delude ourselves, but if they really do want peace and they really do want statehood and they really do want to separate from Israel, then they have to get their act together and start to take this a little more seriously. Yaakov Katz, editor of Jerusalem Post. By the way, Yaakov, last week we spoke with Gidon Saar, made quite an impression on this audience. Is he still the odds-on favorite, according to Israeli media, to be the next Prime Minister of Israel? Uh, to be the next Prime Minister of Israel might be a bit jumping it for the time being, but he definitely is, is polling very high as a potential successor to Benjamin Netanyahu as the leader of the Likud. So if Netanyahu would, for one reason or another, the, the, the investigations against him or some other political 
scenario have to leave the stage uh, and no longer be chairman of the Likud, all polls show that Gidon Tsar would become the next chairman of the Likud, and that if he was the chairman of the Likud and there were elections based on the current parties, although with him as chairman, he would actually potentially win those elections. So he's right. definitely uh, uh, someone who needs to be watched, is a serious guy, has a lot of experience. I just spent a couple of days with him at a, at a conference in Washington. Um, he, is, he, he definitely has a lot of experience under his belt. He would, he's one of, uh, I see several people who I see on the arena who are qualified, and I think, to become a future Israeli prime minister. But, uh, but there's still some time till that were to happen, and it would have to include, again, Netanyahu departing the stage that he's held for so long. Yaakov, we love your analysis. Thank you so much. Shabbat shalom to you, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Nachum. All the best. Yaakov Katz, editor, Jerusalem Post, JM in the AM, 7.30 in the morning on this Thursday.